Welcome to Ben's Bible Podcast. I'm Ben Burkhart, your host, and on this podcast, we share refreshing and faith-building biblical truths. I hope you'll plan to join us on a regular basis. God bless you, and let's jump in to this week's episode. Welcome to the podcast. Ben Burkhart here. I am so glad that you are joining me and the other listeners today. It is a blessing to get into God's Word, isn't it? Every time I am blessed by getting into God's Word, and today will not be any different. We are going to be digging into God's Word, and today's title is a little bit perhaps strange for some of us to hear, a little bit surprising, but it comes from some of the words that Jesus himself spoke in John chapter 6. Well, I'm going to let you learn what Jesus had to say in the podcast today. So, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into our message. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your blessings, and thank you for the chance to get together with others who are interested in studying the Bible and want to know you more. I just pray, Lord, that you would especially bless the listeners today and draw them nearer to you. Draw us all nearer to you, Lord, as we continue exploring these incredible Bible teachings that Jesus himself has given us. Lord, we just thank you for this and and pray for your leading and your guiding today. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, here's our message, and I'll look forward to seeing you next week. God bless. Did you read, by chance, the bulletin this morning? Did you look through it? Yeah? What did the pastor title this week's sermon? Flesh-eating blood drinkers? Question mark. You might be thinking, Pastor, what are you talking about this morning? That sounds like a wild idea. Crazy idea. You know, there have been a lot of people throughout history who followed some really weird ideas, crazy ideas. You are probably very well aware of different cult leaders throughout history who have led their people to the ends of the globe to do crazy things in communes and ended up dead. A lot of people think about Jim Jones, that cult leader back in 1978 who led his followers over 900 people into the jungles of Guyana. And they all died because he told them to drink something that was filled with poison. Terrible story. Crazy situation. Flesh-eating blood drinkers. I, I'm not sure, but... <laughs> this is something that Jesus talked about, isn't it? It's something that Jesus talked about. You know what's interesting? Folks back in the first century or the early centuries of Christianity accused Christians of being cannibals. Have you heard of that? Yes, they accused Christians of being cannibals. And I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read to you about that as soon as we have a word of prayer. So let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your mercies this morning that you have brought us here together. You have brought us by your love this morning, by your spirit, Lord. And I know that it's no accident that we are here together to share this message together and to experience you this morning in worship. 
Lord, I just pray that the special blessing of your Spirit would be upon our hearts and minds, that as we open up the Word of Life, the Bread of Life, that it would be broken by your special blessing, by your hands, by your Spirit, Lord, that we might know the message you have for our souls today. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, in the first couple centuries of the Christian church, some of the believers were rumored to be cannibals. That sounds pretty crazy, doesn't it? Christians, cannibals. And the story goes, there was a pagan who went to worship an idol. And there was a Christian walking with him, and we have his name here. There's actually a recorded story that we have from early history uh, in that time. And so as the pagan was bowing down to worship his idol, the Christian said, well, I don't think you should do that. That's not a good idea. And the guy got a little upset. He said, well, you Christians are just a bunch of cannibals anyway. That's what I've heard. And so this is how the story reads. You Christians are the worst breed ever to affect the world. You deserve every punishment you can get. Nobody likes you. It would be better if you and your Jesus had never been born. We hear that you are all cannibals. You eat the flesh of your children in your sacred meetings. Now, how awful is that? That's terrible. But, you know, these kinds of rumors were going around about Christians. And, you know, it's still happening today. There are wild rumors about Christians and wild rumors about, oh, that church across town, those people over there, you don't want to go there. Something crazy going on over there. And do, they, do people throw around these kinds of rumors today? Wild things that, to scare folks half to death that they don't want to go there, you know, because something bad's going to happen. Well, you know, that kind of stuff goes around sometimes, but you better make sure that you know the truth, amen? <laughs> know the truth and not follow the rumors. Know the truth. And so the answer of the Christian back to this, this pagan worshiper was, that story is probably based on reports that we share together a meal of the body and blood of Christ. And that we do, but it is not human flesh we eat, it is bread and wine we consecrate to commemorate our Lord's death. Well explained by that believer from nearly 1800 years ago, perhaps even a little bit longer. Well explained. And so we believe in the emblems that represent the body and the blood of Jesus. And we don't believe that we're eating literal flesh and blood. <laughs> Imagine how the crazy rumors will go around about something like that. And so you might also think uh, maybe a little bit differently if you're coming from a Roman Catholic perspective. Although I'll share just a couple points here to clarify something because uh, you might know the understanding is slightly different in the, ch in the Catholic Church. Were you aware of that than a lot of Protestant churches? A lot of people may not even know that. Um, but they have something called transubstantiation. Are you familiar with that idea, that concept? And I was doing just a little bit of reading on it this week from the source for their church, the Catechism. They have it online, you know. And so I was just reading a few statements, what is believed about the bread and wine, and here's what it says. 
bread and wine, which by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the words of Christ have become the body and blood of Christ. Christ is thus really and mysteriously made present. So they believe that the, the wine becomes the blood, actually becomes, and that the, the bread becomes actually the body. It says here, the same Christ who, is, who offered himself is contained and is offered in an unbloody manner. In other words, they believe Christ is sacrificed again and again every time the Mass is performed. And that's not what we believe here this morning, but I'm letting you know what some of the beliefs are out there. Also, it says here, it is by the conversion of the bread and wine into Christ's body and blood that Christ becomes present in this sacrament. Now, we do believe that the, the bread is consecrated and represents the body of Christ. We do believe that the grape juice that we drink represents the blood of Jesus. But here is the crux of that teaching, and it says this, by the consecration of the bread and wine, there takes place a change of the whole substance of the bread into the substance of the body of Christ our Lord and of the whole substance of the wine into the substance of his blood. This change the Holy Catholic Church has fittingly and properly called transubstantiation. So, I actually believe they're eating the real flesh and drinking the real blood of Christ. But somehow it just doesn't taste like it. Well, we believe that the Bible teaches these are emblems, that they represent the body of Jesus that was broken for us and the blood of Jesus which was spilled for us. That's what we believe from the Bible here this morning. And I thought it was interesting as I was doing some research this week that Pew Research, maybe you've heard of them, Pew Research, one of the most famous statistical companies for the Christian faith and a lot of things that might be related, Pew Research, they ask questions about what do Christians believe? What do people believe in the religious world? They ask those questions. And as they were doing a Pew Research study on this, they were asking the Catholic believers in the United States of America, do you believe this as the church has written it? And they said, well, I think what they came up with was about 70% said we don't actually, actually believe that. And a lot of those people didn't even know that's what their church taught. So, you know, there's that cultural connection that we're, we're this, you know, or we're that. But people are not always engaged in fully understanding what is the teaching, what is the belief. So I thought that was interesting. But we get our faith from the Bible, Amen. We get our faith from the Word of God, from what Jesus has told us, from what Jesus says. And when we look at this important topic, we look at what the Lord Jesus has said. Now, if you have your Bibles handy, you can open them to John 6. That's where Jesus talks about this very important uh, experience and service. So, in John 6 and verse 53, Jesus said some words that really troubled his listeners in the first century. It really troubled them. John 6 and verse 53. 
Have you ever wondered about the Bible? What does it really mean? While some things are simple to understand, other things are not as easy. Questions like, how will Jesus come? What will the end of the world really be like? What happens when we die? And is there really a hellfire where the devil roasts people for endless ages? How can I find personal peace in my life? And if God is love, why is the world so evil? These are very important questions, and the Bible has clear answers to all of those questions. To begin your Bible study journey, please visit woosda.com. That's W-O-O-S-D-A.com. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That's a pretty heavy statement, isn't it? <laughs> Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. I mean, the, the Jewish listeners were just going crazy over this statement. And in fact, even many of the disciples of Jesus had a really hard time with this statement. What is he saying to us? Imagine Jesus had not gone to the cross yet. They didn't even know that Messiah was going to go and do that. I mean, that wasn't in their prophetic schema or picture. And yet Jesus was going to the cross. And at this point, they had not celebrated the Lord's Supper, where Jesus symbolically showed them the bread that was broken, representing his body broken for us and the blood that was spilled. This, these were very troubling words to those who heard them. And guess what the Bible tells us in John 6, verse 66? That's right. John 666, <laughs> in case you want to remember that verse, it says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. It was just a little bit too hard for them to grapple with as they heard those words of Jesus. The Bible says that, that they, they stumbled over those words and their faith was hung up like, Whoa, wait a second, this guy... This guy is, he's going south, you know. Something wrong is happening here. I'm not so sure about this Jesus movement following Jesus. What is he saying? And so with these difficult words of Jesus, these followers left. You know, God does test us, doesn't he? Sometimes he gives us something hard to grapple with. He provides a test for our faith. And the Bible tells us that faith overcomes the world. Amen? When we have faith and we trust in God, and you know, the disciples of Jesus, they, the closest disciples of Jesus, they were a little bit troubled too. But Jesus asked them an important question. He said, will you also go away? That's in verse 67. He said, will you also go away? And what did they answer? Verse 68, John 6. Simon Peter answered to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? Yeah, it was unfortunate. Jesus knew that even among his closest disciples, one was going to betray him. One was going to turn away in unbelief. 
We don't want to be walking away from Jesus, do we? The Bible tells us that the disciples answered back and they said, Lord, where can we go anyway? They're going, yeah, but, but where are we going to go? We have nowhere to go. We believe that you're the Messiah. We believe that you're the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way except through you. So even though they did not quite understand the words of Jesus, they had faith that Jesus was the Messiah. They had seen enough other evidence that Jesus was the Messiah to say, okay, this is pretty hard. We're not sure exactly what this means, but I believe by faith that God will somehow reveal it. I believe that Jesus is not just a crazy man. He's not just heading out to the jungle somewhere with a group of people. Okay, they believed that Jesus was in fact fully sane and that Jesus was teaching the truth, the words of life, the way of life. These powerful teachings of Jesus, he goes on to explain them. And in fact, you should know that Jesus explained these words before those people ran away in John 6:66 before all those people departed Jesus went ahead and explained to them a little bit more about what he was saying just so they wouldn't get the wrong idea and this you find in John 6 verse 60 to 64 and this is what the bible says many therefore of his disciples when they had heard this said this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What an if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. In other words, the Spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. Yes, Jesus tested their faith that day with some pretty strong words, but they were true nonetheless. And they didn't see all the connections, but they would see if they stuck around. They would see the connections that Jesus was making. And Jesus assured his listeners that day that the words he spoke were spiritual words, not literal. He said, the flesh doesn't profit you, but the spirit gives life. Don't take these words literally, Jesus says, but understand them spiritually. There's a meaning here. And just before this experience, right there in John 6, in the same conversation, Jesus explained to his disciples that he was the bread which came down from heaven, that he was the bread of life. And you might know the story. Everyone listening connected back to the story in the Old Testament. They connected back to what happened when God led his people out of Egypt as they were marching through the wilderness of temptation. How would they be sustained and not die in the wilderness? God himself provided the bread. God himself provided the water. And Jesus is also called the water of life in John. Jesus says here in John 6, he's the bread of life. And he says, if you eat this bread, you will live forever. 
not like your fathers who ate that bread in the wilderness and are dead today. But if you eat the bread of life, Jesus, you will live forever. That's powerful, isn't it? And that bread was daily, if you think about it. They collected it every day except on the Sabbath day. The story is in Exodus 16. They had to go out and collect it every single day, fresh. Collect the manna from the ground. The Hebrew word manna means, what is it? They weren't sure, what is it? Well, it's the bread of heaven. Those, the special bread, they collected that. And the Bible says they had to get it early. If they didn't get it early, it would melt away. And the Bible says they couldn't store it up for the week and keep it overnight because if they kept it overnight, it would do what? Breed worms and stink. Well, that's no good, is it? In other words, God was saying, you have to take this bread fresh. You have to take it every single day. You have to work a little bit too. You have to go out and collect it every morning because if you don't go and collect it early, the sun's going to come up and it's going to be gone. It's going to melt away. That's what happened with the manna. What spiritual lessons did Jesus have for us in this? We need Jesus fresh every day, amen? We need to get up early before all the distractions come, before the sun comes and it melts away. We need to collect the bread of life, collect Jesus, search the scriptures, pray, spend time with God, have that fresh experience with God every morning, every day, and keep doing it every week. That to be alive, we need food. To be alive, we need to eat something. To be alive, we need Jesus. We need the bread of life. Jesus was teaching that lesson that daily we need Him. You can't store it up. You can't say, I got enough at church. I'll be full all week. I'm sorry, that's not enough. You need Jesus every day, amen? amen. You need to collect Jesus early in the morning. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in prayer. Walk with Jesus. And uh, yeah, we can't store it up because our Christianity will start to stink like worms. <laughs> you know, you can't do that. You have to get it fresh each day. And on the Sabbath, there's a special blessing. Looks like you don't have to work as hard because you get the blessing of the Sabbath. That's what God was showing His people. On the Sabbath, there's a special blessing. You're going to get Jesus all day, not just in the morning. You're going to get the Lord all the way through the Sabbath, the Sabbath of the Lord your God, right? So there's a special blessing of the presence of the Lord on the Sabbath. God shows us that. So collect Jesus every day. Eat the bread of life every day. And you will live not only now, but for eternity. And when we come to church, we'll be living Christians and not dead Christians. Amen? We'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the bread of life, fresh in Jesus. And this is what Jesus had in mind in John chapter 6, that He is the bread of life. And when He says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, He's telling us that we have to be sustained daily through Him that we have to draw near to Him and we assimilate the power and the grace from Jesus Christ as you assimilate the nutrition from the food that you eat, from the things that you drink, you assimilate the energy. You know, without water, you're going to start to wilt away. <laughs> You'll lose your energy. Without food, you're going to lose your energy. You're going to lose your strength. We need it daily. And Jesus says we need Him daily. We need to spend that time with God to eat and drink the flesh and blood of Jesus. Jesus says clearly, these are spiritual words. 
understand the lesson, the point that Jesus is trying to make. And so we want to take hold of the words of Jesus this morning. And as we are going to be celebrating the service of the Last Supper this morning, we are going to be taking the emblems that represent the body of Jesus, which was broken for us, and the blood of Jesus, which was, in fact, spilled for us, poured out at the foot of the cross. The Bible says, do not eat flesh with the blood in it. You've heard that before. Maybe you've read it in the Old Testament. It's also in the New Testament in Acts 15. That message to the Gentiles, he says, don't, don't drink the blood. You know, So obviously, spiritual words, very clearly here that Jesus is giving us. Spiritual words because he wants us to have life. And we're going to be um, breaking to celebrate the foot washing service. Now, if you're not familiar, it's in John 13, where you can read what Jesus taught about foot washing, about humility, about loving service, about sacrificial service, about servant leadership. We learned about those on a previous week. And so we're going to be celebrating first the foot washing. If you're if you're not comfortable with that one, um, I mean, you can wait here, but I would invite you to come and Come and partake of the, uh, the foot washing service because Jesus did it in connection with the Lord's Supper. We find it in John 13. We find it in other places in the Bible. Um, but it's a wonderful blessing. And so we're going to be following uh, these things this morning because Jesus said that in so doing, we proclaim His death until He comes. And I just want, our, I just want everyone to know this morning, you don't have to be a member here to partake with us. All right, We practice open communion here. In our church, we believe in that. If you believe in Jesus and you trust in what He has done for you on the cross, um, you trust in His forgiveness and His power, we invite you to participate with us, to partake of these emblems of the Lord's Supper because we all believe in the Lord Jesus. Amen? We believe in that. And you're welcome. You're invited to partake with us. So we're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to go wash our feet. We'll come back. The emblem service will be shorter than the last time. Um, but we're going to enjoy every part of it. So let's pray, and then we'll dismiss. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for your blessing this morning, for Jesus, that he is the bread of life. Lord, we have come to partake of Jesus this morning. May you guide us, Lord, as we dismiss shortly for the foot washing service, and then as we come back here to sit down and take the emblems, to eat the body, the flesh, the bread which is broken for us, and to drink your blood which was spilled for us, which is actually grape juice representing what you have done. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. It's been great having you as a listener. May God richly bless your day. I look forward to having you join me for the next podcast. Blessings and take care.